Good morning. I almost missed my cue to come out. I was sitting back there dancing. That is a true story. How is everybody? I'm sorry, I am loud. I'm really excited to be here this morning because it has been three weeks since I've been in church. That is weird for me. Uh, two weeks ago, a bunch of us went down to camp early to get the campsite ready. That's what we do every year. A small group of us goes, make sure the water fountains work, make sure the camp is clean, make sure the critters aren't in the cabins. And we go down there and we have communion together, we breakfast together. It's great, but it's not here. It's a little different. Um, it's still the church, but it's not the church. And then uh, last week, Tim was virtual for all of you, and a bunch of us were home because we got touched by the plague. Um, there was a stomach issue. A stomach issue. That's the nice way of putting it for church. Uh, we got home from camp Friday evening, and I went to bed at 5.30 a.m., it was a lot. I wasn't sick. I was fine. My wife was fine. Our children were not. And so every, we asked all the people who were at camp to stay home last week. So y'all missed us, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Drew. You're all mumbling. Drew's like, I missed you so much. Um, I want to show you guys something. Uh, I think it embodies what camp was. I know Tim talked a little bit about camp last week. I just feel you need to see what camp is. Please show it. This is my favorite picture from camp. This is G-Man. This is Gavin. He was in my cabin. And uh, he got really sunburnt. And so I wouldn't let him go swimming. And I was like, hey, I brought Pokemon cards. Do you want to learn how to play Pokemon? He's like, yeah. And so we're sitting there playing. And the first game, I let him win. And the second game, I was about to teach this child something, right? I'm going to show this kid what's up. I'm going to show him why you don't mess with me. And he's like, hey, can I do this? I was like, yeah, you can do that. And then he pulls this card and starts cackling. You can probably hear his laughter through this picture. And my disappointment, as I'm about to lose to a 10-year-old, but it was awesome. It was such a great week of camp. And if you had any hand in helping camp happen, I thank you. Jesus thanks you. It was such a good week getting to talk to these kids about why we believe what we believe. And a lot of people were like, how are you going to teach apologetics to 7 to 11-year-olds? It happened, and it worked, and it was so great. Uh, again, thank you if you had any hand in helping, if you were there, if you gave money or rides or clothes or whatever you did, just thank you so much. Um, good morning again. Good morning to all of you online. It's weird that Greater Alton is more than right here to me. You know, we are like global even. There are people outside of America who watch. It's, it's just strange to me. It's strange that there are people around the world hearing my voice. Um, that's awesome, though. That's a great thing. God has blessed us. God is blessing people. I love it. We're in the middle of a sermon series called The Twelve, and we're talking about the disciples. And if you're a guest here, don't worry. If you want to catch up where we're at, you can go to our website, you can listen to the previous lessons. You can listen to whatever you want to. All of our lessons are on the website under the sermon tab. And if you are a guest, I want to welcome you to Greater Alton. Welcome to an imperfect church full of imperfect people who are trying to follow a perfect Savior. Um, so if you're looking for the perfect church, you haven't found it yet. But I've been here for 20 years, and I call it home. So welcome. Uh, Sit back, relax. Hopefully I have something to tell you today that encourages you, uh, teaches you a little bit about 
the disciple we're talking about today, which is James the Less. Um, I've told a few people this already. I haven't been nervous to do a sermon on Sunday morning in a long time until now. Uh, James the Less, we're going to look at every passage in Scripture on James the Less this morning. And some of you are like, oh, no. Oh, no. Don't worry. There's not very many. <laughs> There's, we know his name. We know his parents' names. And we know he was a disciple of Jesus. That's all scripture says. And we're going to look at those passages just so you know what it says. But before we get started, uh, there's a passage I want to show you out of the book of John. And it's not in your notes. It's going to be on screen. If you're taking notes in your bulletin, I suggest you write this passage down. It's John 3.30. And it's John the Baptist talking here when he's given his testimony about Jesus. And he says, he must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. Jesus must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, it says, so those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. We said this passage a lot at camp when all the boys tried to run for breakfast. Those who will be first shall be last. Get to the back of the line, kid. No, we didn't really make kids get to the back of the line, but Matthew 5, 5 says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. I feel like I need to tell you something. Full, upfront disclosure, before we jump into the passages about James the Less. I've been studying him for three weeks now. And I feel like I know less about him than when I started. I learned something. There's a debate on whether or not the disciple James is actually the person that was referred to as James the Less. I didn't know that. I was always taught the disciple is James the Less. James, son of Alphaeus, is James the Less. Even later in Scripture, different translations call him James the Younger. We're going to talk about that later. And they refer to this disciple. But there's a debate on who he actually is. The main theory is that James, son of Alphaeus, the disciple of Jesus, is James the Less. And that's what we're going with this morning. And I don't feel I'm invalid about that. I don't think I'm wrong talking about him this way because, one, it's what I was always taught. And two, it's what the major theory is. But just so you know, there's other theories on who James the Less actually is. There, um, if you really want the link to a guy who breaks down all this stuff on YouTube, shows passages and references, I can tell you it later. But for this morning's purpose, this morning's purpose, let's just agree that what I've always been taught, what I've always read, what I always assumed, that James the Less is James the son of Alphaeus. That will just make this morning a lot easier. Can we do that? <laughs> That's why I'm nervous. I learned a lot about this person. I didn't know there was a debate. So let's look at the passages that include him. In Matthew 10, 1 through 4, by the way, the first few passages are just lists of the disciples. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, a son of Zebedee. John, James's brother, also a son of Zebedee. Philip, Bartholomew. Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus. That's the guy we're looking at today. Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot. And Judas Iscariot. That's Matthew 10, 1 through 4. If you look in Mark 3, 14 through 19, it says, Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. 
They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the twelve he chose. Simon, whom he named Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. And then Luke. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was the zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas, not Iscariot, is what some translations say, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Those are the list of disciples. James, son of, son of Alphaeus, is the one we're looking at today. Then, if you go later in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it talks about the women who are at the cross and at the gravesite. Matthew 27, verse 56 says, Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Mark 15:40 says, Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. And then Luke 24 is at the empty tomb. It says, So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who had told the apostles what had happened. That is every passage about James the Less in Scripture. James, son of Alphaeus, James the Younger. I, I noticed... When I was growing up, it read James the Less in Scripture, and now all these modern translations are translating it, James the Younger. That's all we have. That's it in Scripture. We don't have a whole lot of information on him. Gary was in the same boat about Simon the Zealot. We didn't have a whole lot of information other than his name and what he was. He was a zealot. We knew that. So I feel like this morning we should talk about his name. James the Less. How many of you would be excited to have that name? I'm Mike the Less. In, in high school, I had a Spanish teacher. She actually wasn't my teacher. She was just a teacher I was friends with. And she gave me the nickname. So there's Miguel is my Spanish name, right? Michael is Miguel. And there's Miguelito, which means little Mike. She gave me the nickname Miguelote, which means big Mike. I was like, yeah, Miguelote. I don't think I'd ever want to be referred to as Miguelito, Little Mike, James the Less. You know, we don't ever hear him complaining about his nickname either. We don't see that. So why was he called James the Less? Do yourself a favor and I forgot what pastor. There, there was a sermon I listened to. And the whole sermon was just this guy talking about his name in a very monotone voice and what it could mean and why he was. And I'm like, don't watch that video. But he spent a lot of time talking about all these neat, different meanings of his name. So this morning, I would like to look at that. So that one passage referred to him as James the Younger, right? So it could mean that he's just the younger James in the group of disciples, most modern translations call him by James the Younger. He's just a young guy. He's younger than James the son of thunder. So as his name would suggest, he might be younger. Again, we're not entirely sure, but he could be younger. 
What does that mean for us? Well, you know, Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 12. And he said this. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. The kingdom of heaven needs young people. The kingdom needs young people. The church needs young people. How often do we look down on these younger kids that are running around acting crazy, making mistakes that we all made, and looking at them like, why didn't you listen to me? You could have avoided all these mistakes. Instead of looking at them like they're the future of the church. Instead of looking at them like, hey, we need young people around us. I am no longer a young people. I turned 40 this year. My daughter thinks I'm already 40. She's been telling me for a year that I'm 40. (laughs) We had this discussion. I'm 477 months old. But we need young people. That being said, we also need old people. I need older people in my life to teach me still. I need older people in my life to show me what it's like to live a Christian life in that stage of life. I need younger people to keep me young. I need younger people to be an example for me. Young people can be an example for us. And we need them. The the church needs them to be lights in the world. How often do we discriminate against age? I do it without realizing it. I do it without realizing it. We just spent a week at camp. Well, it's been two weeks now, but we spent a week at camp. And I felt so young during that week at camp because we're with 7 to 11-year-olds and we're running and we're running and we're running. And then we got home and I slept all day Saturday and most of the day on Sunday. (laughs) My body don't do that no more. But these kids probably would have went a whole nother week if we would have let them. We need young people around us. Right now in the back, they're doing a, a cold case thing with the kids. And I'm so excited to hear about it. I, I want to be back there. I want to be back there and learn with them. Um, learning about more about how we, why we believe what we believe. The proof of what we believe. Those kids are the future of the church. We need them. We need that youth around us. And I need the age around me. Again, I need somebody to show me what it's like to be 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and be a Christian. What that looks like in your life. What else do we know about his name? Well, his name could be James the Smaller or other physical limitations. Could be James the Smaller. So the show The Chosen chooses to portray this character as not only smaller, but with a handicap. And in the second season, they're ta- Jesus is healing a bunch of people, and they're having a discussion with him, like, why don't you go get healed? And he's like, well, I think, I think God wants me to have this. Now, that's not in Scripture. That's a TV show. But his name could mean James the Smaller. He could just be a short guy. Funny story. I'm reading... Oh, I read so much, and I don't remember which article it was at this point. But I'm reading, and they, this guy brings up that it could be an oxymoron, like little John in Robin Hood, that he could be a giant. I don't think so. 
it, it leans more towards James, son of Zebedee, was bigger and he was smaller. But it could be smaller, or he had some other physical limitation. I want to read you guys a fun passage. Everybody knows this passage. We're going to look at this. Luke 19, 1 through 10 says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus into his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He is gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Every kid knows the story, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. We know that song, right? Most of us. He's a little guy. He's just a little fella, right? He, he literally had to get in a tree just so he could see. This guy was tiny. He was small. Not only that, he was a tax collector. So he had something else against him. He was a sinner. He had some limitations. Yet Jesus has to be a guest in his home. Limitations don't hold Jesus back. Our limitations don't hold Jesus back. We may be small. We may be, me, a little too large. We may be old. We may be young. We may have some handicap. Can I tell you this? The kingdom of heaven, the church, is made of broken and limited people. Broken and limited people. I am broken and limited. It's fun to read about Zacchaeus. It's fun to sing that song. But to realize what happens in that passage. Jesus didn't come for the pretty, put together, perfect people. That being said, he did come for pretty people. But he didn't come. The doctor doesn't go to the healthy. The doctor goes to the sick, right? The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Look at who Jesus goes to in Scripture. He goes to the lepers, the adulterers. He goes to the sick, the blind, the lame. People can't walk. How often is he in trouble with the Pharisees because of the people he's around? Jesus came for the broken or smaller the less. And I forget that a lot. I forget that a lot. <clears throat> that Jesus didn't come. I, my life is awesome right now. I, God has blessed me so much. And he is taking care of us so well. It's not always the case. I didn't always have it together. And I forget that sometimes. Have we forgotten that? Do we know that Jesus wants us to go to the broken, to the lost, to the sinners. What else do we know about his name? 
Well, his name could mean James the less important. James the less important. So James the son of Zebedee was kind of a big deal, right? First martyr. Outspoken. He was a son of thunder. James son of Alphaeus. He wasn't as big of a deal as James the son of Zebedee. So his name could mean James the less important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, it says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard to regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care can be given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. There are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, apostles. Second, are prophets. Third, are teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help the others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. James might have felt unimportant. He might have felt less important. But we don't have that recorded in Scripture. What I am safely assuming is that James was content with his station. And what I mean by that is he was growing where God planted him. He may have been a foot in the body of Christ, but he rocked that foot. Some of you are like, I'm not one of those outspoken, seen parts of the body. But you're needed. You're needed. Our body is not whole without you. You have something to offer. Yes, James' words aren't recorded in Scripture. But you know what we do know about him? He was at every major event the disciples were at. He saw water turned to wine. He saw 5,000 men fed with loaves and fishes. He saw dead raised, blind received sight. He saw lepers healed. He saw people receive salvation. He ran from the guards. 
He saw his Savior risen in the upper room. He saw his Savior rise to heaven. He was okay not being an eye or a mouth. We know that all the twelve except for John were martyred. Tradition tells us, via Fox's book of martyrs, that James the Less was crucified in Egypt for preaching the word of God. He was okay being a wallflower. He was okay being in the background. He was okay not being a Peter, not being a John, not being a James. Well, he was a James. But not that James. He was okay being who God made him to be. And the role God gave him in the church. So we don't have his words. We don't have his deeds. But we know a lot about him. We know he was faithful to the end. Even though he wasn't this flashy person in the church. I got to this part in my study of James. And I was just so encouraged. I was so encouraged by what I was learning. And I feel that I need to share that with you guys. I need to share that with you guys. You might already know where I'm going with this. But God wants us to be encouraged today. God wants to encourage you today. You, a member of his body that you don't think you're that important. Here's what God wants you to know. Number one, I am important to God's kingdom. I am important to God's kingdom. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 11, it says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives somebody else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Everyone here has a gift to offer the kingdom. Everyone here has something of value. You guys have something to contribute to this family. And you're like, that's awesome, Mike. What? What's my gift? I don't know. But knowing is half the battle. That's, I mean, it's the cheesiest line ever. But it's true. Just knowing you have something to offer is so encouraging. I was so encouraged by, by looking at James and just... I don't know what he did, but I can see his faith. Because he went to his death preaching the gospel. He had something to offer. And each and every one of us have something to offer. We can build the body of Christ stronger by using our gifts. And everyone is different. Not everyone has the same gift. If you would have told me like 15 years ago that I'd be up here talking to you guys, I would have told you you're crazy. I still don't know exactly why I'm up here. I'm like, (laughs) but I'm so glad that God has given us multiple guys that can get up here and teach the word. I am so glad I get to hear Tim and Alan and Gary up here because we all have different viewpoints. We all come from it, come to it from a different angle, but we all believe the same Savior. We all believe the same word. We have the same faith, the same love. I, we all serve the same God. 
And we all have something to offer. I cannot stand up here and sing like Alan can. I just, I can sing, just not like Alan can. Some of you are like, I can't even sing. Do you make a joyful noise? Yes, good enough for Jesus. Some of you are like, Mike, I don't understand how you can put a lesson together. Well, that was that's a lot of help. I, I just took classes with Tim, and it, I've had a lot of help over the years putting lessons together. I still don't think I could do it. Yeah, but you can do other things I can't. Like, you can teach small children. Mike, you just spent a week at camp with 7 to 11-year-olds. By the power of Jesus, I spent a week at camp with 7 to 11-year-olds. And I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I love camp. Camp is a whole different animal. I, I am a different animal at camp. Those of you who have been to camp with me know I am a different animal at camp. Sort of different. I smell more. Um, but I, I've taught in the back once. Bless you who can do that multiple, multiple times, months in a row. Mike, you work with the kid. You work with youth ministry. Yeah, but you can... Teenagers are a little different. Teenagers are a little tougher. They they, they can take some hits. Literally. (laughs) We all have different stuff to offer. Mike, I don't do any of those. Yeah, but I know there's some people here, they vacuum the floors. And they wash the windows. And they clean the toilets. Mike, that's not a spiritual gift. But it needs to be done. We don't worship in a perfect building i mean our doors leak it's it it is what it is i love this building don't get me wrong i love everything about this church because we're an imperfect people worshiping a perfect god and our church is a reflection of us we try our hardest but we want the focus is jesus but god's trying to encourage us this morning we all have something to offer and you know what else in Matthew 10:29 through 31 it says this What is the price of two sparrows one copper coin not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it and the very hairs on your head are all numbered so don't be afraid you are more valu- valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows each of you has value God wants you to know this morning he values you you might be in a, sp- in a spot this morning you're like I don't feel very valued you might be at home right now watching me over television or a computer or your your phone and you're like mike i don't feel very valuable right now you are valuable god loves you i was trying to explain to kids this past week because they were looking at pokemon cards that i had and they're like how much is this one worth i don't know how much is this one worth i don't know why don't you know i go it's only worth what somebody's going to pay for it right i could have a book that tells me a card is worth X amount of dollars. In fact, one one uh, weekend a few months ago, it's actually August, it's been a while, um, Caden Stanford was looking at my Pokemon cards. He's like, holy cow, oh my gosh, look at this card. I'm like, what about it? It's, I, I mean, I get it, it's pretty, but he goes, you need to, this has got to be like wrapped in bubble wrap and plastic and put in a hard case. I'm like, dude, it's just a card. He goes, it's worth a lot of money. And then I found out it was worth a lot of money and I found somebody to buy it and I paid the taxes on my new car by selling a Pokemon card. Jesus loves me. That's a true story. But I was trying to teach these kids while we're playing that this thing only has the value that somebody's willing to pay for it. I can tell each of you are valuable because what has been paid for you. God sent his only son to die for you. 
He sacrificed his kid so that he could have you. If that doesn't make you feel good, if that doesn't encourage you, I I don't have much more. Um, God loves you so much that even when you were still a sinner, even when you were separated from him and he couldn't have anything, you couldn't have anything to do with him, he sent Jesus to die on a cross in your place. So that he can have a relationship with you. And if you're sitting here like, Mike, I don't know what you're talking about. What is this relationship you're talking about? There is somebody here in this church. God has put here for their purpose to talk to you about Jesus. It might be the person sitting next to you. It might be the person who invited you to church. Ask them, Mike, what was Mike talking about? I want to know, what, why did Jesus die for me? How can I have that relationship he's talking about? And if they don't have the answers, they know somebody who does. And we, these people, we, this family would love to open scripture with you and share with you what has been done for you already and how you can have that salvation and how you can have that love overflowing from your life. You are so valuable. You have a purpose and you are valuable in the kingdom. We all add to God's kingdom. The other thing God wants to encourage you this morning is that you are here to bring glory to God. (laughs) Mike, I don't feel like I'm bringing much glory to God. That last song Alan sang, I was made for this. Oh, wow. I was was rocking back there. It was great. It's true, though. You were made to bring glory to God. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. Everything I do should bring glory to God. Should. I'm not perfect. Not everything I do brings glory to God because I'm not perfect. But when I'm not bringing glory to God, I I try to quickly repent of it and move pointing back to God. I want my life to be a living testimony. That was the last lesson we did at camp. Tim did this Devo. The greatest proof of God's existence should be our lives. Our lives should reflect the glory back to God. I love these passages because everything about them is all about pointing back to God. No matter what I say or do, I should be pointing back to God. No matter what you say or do, you should be pointing back to God. And I hope that's encouraging to you. I hope you're encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by that. That God has a purpose for me and that my purpose should point people to Him. What about you? Are you content with your role in the kingdom? I've had a converse, I've had conversations over the years. Um, back when we called people interns in small groups, like people learning to become a small group leader, people who thought they should be interns already and they weren't, and they were really discontent. And, and the the whole path, the whole uh, the whole idea of grow where you're planted kept coming up kept coming up. Grow where you're planted. Grow where you're planted. Where has God planted you? Because if God has planted you there, there's a reason. 
You have a purpose wherever you are. And He wants your purpose to shine and, and to draw people to Him. James the Less did that. But Mike, you said it's not recorded. The fact the man walked with Jesus in person and then kept walking with Jesus to his death tells me he grew where he was planted. And that his life brought glory to the Father. Because if his life wasn't bringing glory to the Father, nobody would notice and he wouldn't have gotten killed for it. I'm not asking you all to like physically die this morning for Jesus. But maybe we need to die to ourselves a little bit. Maybe we need to die to ourselves a little bit. Maybe I need to stop pointing to Mike D and start pointing to Jesus. I have, I have to keep that in mind a lot because that's just who I am. My personality is, those of you who know me, I'm loud. And, and I can be contagious. Am I contagious for me or am I contagious for Jesus? And I want to leave that with you this morning. I hope you're encouraged. I hope that you're encouraged that you have value to God and His kingdom. That you, were, you have an integral part of His kingdom. That you've been bought at a high price worth more than gold and silver. And that the life of James the Less, with the little we know about it, whether you're young, you're old, you're a mom, you're a dad, I didn't even talk about his parents. We know who his parents are, Mary and Alpheus. Their names are in there. Mary is following Jesus. Whether you're a mom or a dad following Jesus and you're trying to get your kids to go along, whether you're old, you're young, whether you have some infirmity, whether you're quiet, whether you're a wallflower, whether you're up here or you're in the back or you're cleaning toilets, you have a purpose in the kingdom. And it's, it's going to shine if you grow where you're planted, you're going to shine and you're going to point to Jesus and people are going to see it. And people are going to be brought to Christ. The kingdom's going to grow and people are going to be saved. Mike, people are going to be saved because I clean toilets? Yes. Yes. Mike, people are going to be saved because I take care of money behind the scenes? Yes. Mike, people are going to be saved because I vacuum? Yes. Not directly. Like, you're not going to be vacuuming and one person's like, I need to get baptized. And if that happens, praise Jesus. But we all have a role to play. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know what it is, talk to somebody. Talk to your small group leader. If you're not involved in a small group, get involved in a small group. You'll find your purpose real quick. There's going to be somebody there. You're going to feel God poking you. This week, or this pet at camp, Gavin. First day, I was like, hmm, I felt that one, Jesus. Gavin's going to be my buddy this week. And he was. And it was fantastic. I hope you're encouraged this morning. I hope you're, you've been poked to find your purpose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for Scripture, Father. Uh, it's been so fun this weekend. Uh, just talking about your Word and talking about what I'm learning with different people. Being excited about it, Father. I pray that we can all be excited about what we're learning. We can all be excited about your kingdom. We can be excited about you, God. And we can have that desire to share you with the world around us. I pray that people who feel purposeless, listless, they have no direction in this church, that they can find the direction you want them to have. That they can find their purpose. They can find their calling. 
Um, whether it's a big upfront thing or a quiet in the back thing, it's all important. We have to have hands and eyes and feet and fingers of this body. We have to have all of that, God. Otherwise, the body doesn't function right. And I pray that as your church here at Greater Alton, we can function in a way that honors you and glorifies you. That we can look at the lives of these apostles and uh, we can just try to live out their faith. We can try to live out their faith, Father. And that we can bring glory to you and honor to you, Father. That's why I'm up here. That's why we do the things we do here. Is we want to glorify you. We want to see people come to you and see people saved so that all of us can be in heaven together. We can all live forever with you, Father. You are a great, amazing Father, and I love you. So in your name I pray. Amen.